Hey guys, I just wanted to invite everybody to check out Shanna's website. She's got a astral and dream space workshop um, that she'll be having on January 11th. And her website is blckbts.com. And that's black boots without any bells. Thanks, guys. Hi, this is Doors of Perception, and today we are talking with Christina <laughs> McKay, and we have Shannon and Jess here, of course. And Hello. It's nice Hello. To be together. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. Christina, um, you responded to a post about an experience that I had, and I realized that you do, you are a practitioner of the Maya fascial, I don't even know how to say it properly. So maybe I should ask you to kind of give us a little intro to yourself. Yeah. Does um, that work? Yeah. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll simplify it. So I am a registered massage therapist by trade, um, but I don't do traditional massage therapy. Uh, my treatments are mostly myofascial release. So that's the technique that I use. Um, there's different kinds of myofascial techniques out there. Um, the kind that uh, I am trained in is specific to uh, the John Barnes teachings. Um, so it is quite a bit different. And the way that you described in your post, your experience with your the fascial work sounded similar to how I work. Um, yeah, so basically it is a form of body work. It's hands-on, um, it's gentle pressure and stretch of the tissues. You're working directly with the connective tissue, um, which is the tissue in the body that holds your structure and your shape. So when that's out of alignment, um, the work that I do helps to bring you back into balance. That's like the super, super simple version of what I do. But yeah, it's a hands-on technique that mostly, what's that? I was going to say, do you work with a lot of people that have fibromyalgia? Um, I've had a few. Yeah, it because it's such um, an elusive diagnosis. Like you have to go through a lot of steps to get that diagnosis. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people who, yeah, are pre-diagnosed. <laughs> no, I've, I've been. <laughs> You've been I diagnosed. have now been diagnosed. Yeah, my dad was diagnosed. And so that helped to have a family member who also was diagnosed, but it was pretty simple to tell when I like would walk in and I'm like, my skin hurts so bad. I can barely put my clothes on. Mm -hmm. They had, they had a pretty good idea about what was going on. Yeah. And it's stuff like that. That's really um, frustrating for people because a lot of times they'll tell you that it's idiopathic, which means that they don't know where it comes from, or they just think that it just happens. So um, and that's what they thought for me too, because I had a anxiety 
diagnosis before that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And if, Mm -hmm. if you just look at how Western medicine treats people, that's all, they can't understand anything deeper than, oh, well, you just have these, you, you check off the pain markers, right. And that's how they kind of diagnose you when they've ruled out absolutely everything else. Um, But when you can look into a little bit different experiences, your experiences through your life, your family, um, stuff like that, that's all in your body and it's your fascial system that holds that. So how you, uh, how you hold it and how you process it will determine, um, going through your life, kind of these diseases that you get or are maybe a little more prone to, because uh, not everybody who's had the same experiences is going to end up with fibromyalgia or cancer or whatever. Um, it's very different in how how all that is processed in the body. Yeah, it's very true. And I had read something somewhere about how like our bodies are not coffins for pain to die in. And so it really like was hitting me with messages that I had received from my guides and stuff like that too, that when I'm in a fibro flare, like not only am I transmuting a lot of stuff that I've worked through, but because when we micro, we macro, we're also transmuting so much of like the world's pain right now as well. And so there's just a lot (laughs) heavy out there. Like there's so much stuff that's coming out and it's not all ours. Like it's, yeah, if we don't have the space inside of us, the stuff that's coming out at us from outside is really, really affecting people right now. Um, I feel like I should describe what fascia is if people don't quite know what it is. Um, Because in the very simplest terms, it is our connective tissue. It's what holds us together. But I'll give you a visual. And if anybody's listening, um, if you Google fascia or images of fascia, this will also give you a better obviously a better visual, but uh, fascia spelled F-A-S-C-I-A so that you're not Googling pictures of people giving facials. (laughs) Um, So your fascia is, it's a three-dimensional web. It connects you from your head to your toes. Um, There's no stops or starts. There's no interruptions in your fascial system. It goes around and through all of your muscles, tendons, ligaments. It goes through all of your organs, around all of your organs. Um, It surrounds all of your nerves and vessels. And it goes right down to your cells. So in your structure, there's nothing in your body that your fascia doesn't touch. There's nothing in your body that your fascia doesn't um, connect with. So it affects every system of the body. So when people try to separate out, you know, the brain from the body or the circulatory system from the lymphatic system or the digestive system um, from any other, from the nervous system, like you can't separate anything because of the fascia. Um, The fascia is made of collagen and elastin. Those are the two proteins that make it, make it up. Uh, Collagen or sorry, elastin is makes up about 20%. And like the name suggests, elastin is the stretchy part. So our skin moves and stretches and our body moves and stretches because of the elastic component of our fascial system. Um, the other 80% of the fascia is collagen and collagen is what gives us our shape and our structure. It's the tough part of fascia. So um, collagen. So again, with collagen, giving us our shape and structure, collagen is also what pulls our structure out of alignment. Um, So when we have, so if we think of um, how chiropractors work, where they manipulate joints, the joints are pulled 
if they're out of alignment, the joints are pulled out of alignment by your soft tissue, by your fascial tissue. So if you go and adjust a joint, um, that's fine. But if you still have restrictions in your fascia, that's what's going to pull that joint out of alignment again. So that's the role that fascia mm -hmm. plays in everything. If you have restrictions in organs, the function of that organ is going to be compromised because of that fascial pull in that area. Um, so that's kind of the web-like structure. And then if you picture what that web looks like, there's spaces in between the web. Um, and those spaces are filled with a substance called the extracellular matrix. It depends on who you study. Different scientists will call it different things, but it's either called the ground substance or the extracellular matrix. And it's um, kind of a gooey gel. And that is the, that's the environment of our cells. So that's also the transport medium for all the processes in our body. So uh, the chemical exchanges, the hormones, all that, like the um, food and uh, water that we take in, it has to go through that to get into our cells, to enter our body. Um, so the way that the fascia responds to life in general is that when we have uh, trauma, whether it's physical or emotional surgeries included, um, repetitive stress or strain, um, any, yeah, any kind of stress or anything like that, they're going to cause restrictions or tightenings in certain areas of your body. And that is dependent on what the stress is. Um, and over time, those restrictions, um, for lack of a better word, solidify. So that's where you're losing uh, range of motion. So if you have areas that are just, they just feel tight. And when, you know, before you could, you know, swing your arm around and now all of a sudden it doesn't go back, you know, to a certain degree. Um, those restrictions are what happen from past experiences, again, traumas, um, injuries, surgeries, uh, the, you know, the list goes on. Um, and it's also maybe not even physical, like physical and emotional, but it's your perceived uh, experience of those physical and emotional things that happen to you that could also cause fascial restrictions. So when you have those restrictions in your body, um, the ground substance, that extracellular matrix, it, it hardens. So it's, uh, it's supposed to, everything is supposed to glide and slide on each other. So when you move, it should slide very smoothly along itself. But when that thickens, you get that, you get a catch. So that's when your body will stop you. It'll say, no, I can't go in that direction anymore. Um, and so that's when people, a lot of times will just blame it on aging, <laughs> right? So say, well, I'm just getting older and this is what happens. You know, I can't touch my toes anymore. I can't, you know, uh, I don't know. I can't do the same stretches that I used to. Um, but what it really is, is it's your body telling you something. It's that those experiences catching up with you. So if I was to tell somebody to bend over and touch their toes, just to do like, you know, just a general assessment of flexibility. Um, it's really not that you can't touch your toes. It's that your body won't let you touch your toes. So you've come to a space where your body says this position at some point in time or many points in time, um, you've been either been injured or you've been near injury. And so I'm not going to let you go there anymore. And this is um, with the body work that I do. That's what we see is we see these restrictions in people and we see these spaces in their bodies where they cannot go into anymore, where their body won't allow them to go into. They dissociate from them. Um, 
or they just, they have pain. Like sometimes it's a numbness and a lack of awareness. And on the other side, it's, it's pain. Um, and so that's what it is, is your body can only compensate for so long before it says, um, no, <laughs> I'm going to give you a message by either again, like dissociating and just ignoring that spot, or it's going to give you a pain signal and say, this is, you need to, to pay attention to this. Wow. Throughout that whole thing, all I kept getting was, this is why yoga is so important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and um, the other really important thing and the difference in techniques, because um, fascial work is, it's becoming a bit of a buzzword and especially in the therapeutic community, um, everybody's doing fascial techniques. Um, but the way that you engage the fascia is just as important um, as anything else. So there are tools out there that people will use to like scrape or um, go through the fascia and it's very invasive and it's very painful. Um, I don't really like those kind of tools. So from the, my teachings, um, from the courses that I've taken, um, what we do and how we engage with the body is, is very gentle. Um, we can't force the body to do anything. And if we try, we will learn that the body will bounce back and be like, it'll say no. And it might be temporarily okay. Um, but in the long term, the body's not going to let you force it to do anything. So there's a lot of patience in my practice. So um, just going back to what the fascia is made of when I put my hands on somebody and I apply gentle pressure and stretch uh, to the tissues. Um, what I'll feel is at first I'll feel like that spring, like you feel that spring in your skin. And then when you apply a little bit more pressure or stretch, you'll feel a bear, you'll feel a stop. Like you'll feel, feel a barrier and anybody can do this. Like you can do it on your arm. You'll feel a, a point where if you apply pressure in and then stretch, you'll feel where your body stops you. So that's, that's your barrier. That's, that's a barrier that you have to honor as a therapist. And that's a barrier as a, a client that you have to um, connect to. Um, so through the work in the first couple minutes, like my releases are five to 10 minutes long. Like I, nothing happens fast. Um, and the better you get at it, it doesn't happen faster. <laughs> like it, I've been doing this. Uh, I've been a therapist since 2004 and I found this kind of myofascial release in 2014. I'm not getting any faster, right? you you can't hurry those processes in the body. Um, so with that pressure and stretch, you find that barrier and you wait. And when the body feels that it is safe to do so, it will relax and it will let you come in a little bit more. And then you'll find another barrier and you'll wait. And then when the body feels safe to do so, it will let you in a little bit more. And going through these releases, it's very different from person to person because some of them will be very like you'll get lots of movement I you, I don't ever move my hands I'm not rubbing my hands on anybody um, so sometimes you'll get like a big release and you'll feel lots of movement and other times it's very very subtle like you'll just feel a tiny bit but you honor um, the feedback that you get from the body um, having the clients be aware of where you're working um, and the feelings that they're getting in their own bodies. Um, and because the fascia connects you from your head to your toe, it gives you little clues 
um, because you might have pain in a shoulder, start working on your shoulder, and then it's your opposite hip that feels sensations from that. And because of that fascial connection, it might not be your shoulder, it might be a hip problem that is pulling from your shoulder. If you guys, you're all wearing shirts. So if you were to bunch up the corner of your shirt and pull it, the fabric in your whole shirt is distorted. So you can see where I'm pulling is not the issue. Like it is an issue, but there is like, it's tight on my side, it's tight on my back. Like that's what happens inside your body. So that's what we feel for when we do the work. Mine is like blown right now. That I like know me too. are describing something that I'm experiencing. So I have constant like hip issues and stuff like that. And because of an injury when I was 19 and then like now I'm having shoulder pain because like, and I, and I, I've always kind of thought it was connected in some way, shape or form, but like, I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. Also yeah. like that kind of like what you were saying about the uh, extracellular matrix kind of brought the uh, connection between like stress and your immune system because your immune system is so dependent on um, that matrix to transfer all its information, all its um, signals and stuff. Like if you have an, you got an infection in your big toe, like that's, your big toe has to be able to send those messages to your lymph nodes and stuff so that it can create the proper and to your like B lymphocytes and everything. So it can create the right um, antibodies if it's something you've seen before and everything and elicit that immune response. And so like that, that really makes sense to me. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. Right. So it's like, your body needs to be efficient in taking in information. And with that information needs to be efficient at what it needs to do with it. So when your cells um, take in um, that information that it needs to, you know, give you anti-inflammatories or whatever it is, um, but it also needs to get rid of the toxic load, right? For whatever, if it's an injury, it needs to get rid of the toxins. So if you have that thickness in that extracellular matrix, quite often those toxins aren't being released as they should. They're not good getting to the lymphatic system to be removed from your body. So this is where you get different symptoms that- well, and your like, your body can't send the signal to your like monocytes to come down and be like, hey, come take take care of this, come come encapsulate this, because that's what you're like. There's some like phago phagocytic um, cells that encapsulate like bacteria or whatever is invading your your body, your the not self part of you, and like takes it, removes that. So like, mm-hmm. being able to send those signals is super important. When you, so you started as massage therapy, were you kind of intuitively starting to like, just know that you needed to work with the fascial system because of how you were kind of working with people? Like, could you feel it? Um, Yeah, it's like a series of like questions and then somebody will give you a little bit of something. And it it was just like a snowball of people that just kept showing up in courses that just kept being offered. So yeah, when I was doing traditional massage therapy, I started getting to a point where I was quite busy and I had a lot of really good regular clients, but there was a point where they were asking me questions and I couldn't answer them. Like they would ask me something was bothering them and I wasn't fixing it. Like, I I don't want to use the word fix, but I wasn't really helping them. I wasn't helping them resolve it. So then I started kind of searching out um, 
there must be something else I can do. Like massage therapy is great. Nothing against it. Go get your massages. They're awesome. But it, it has its limits. So when I started questioning this, I took, I guess my first introduction to kind of what fascia was, um, was with a stretching course, actually. It was called Active Isolated Stretching. And he showed us a video called Strolling Under the Skin. And if you, you YouTube it, I think it's still up on YouTube. Um, and the doctor that did this was a French hand surgeon, but it shows you he was doing. So all of our anatomy that we're taught, um, we learn it from cadavers. We learn it from dead people. So what's the difference between somebody living and somebody dead? It's like, life. <laughs> they, they're not fluid, right? Like when we talk about this fluid matrix, dead people don't have that. Like that is what gives us life. Um, so anyway, so he was doing surgeries and he was having, um, he was recording them like at a microscopic level. So he was recording the fascia in his surgeries and you can see uh, in living tissue, how the fascia moves. So yeah, it's called strolling under the skin. So it's amazing to see. And that really opened my eyes. And so this course kind of introduced it. Um, I ended up taking another myofascial course, probably within like a couple year or two with that. And that kind of just introduced more. Um, and then again, just through clients, I had another client who I was seeing and I'd seen her regularly. And I'd said, I don't think I'm like, I'm not helping you. Let's see if there's somebody around that can. And there was a therapist in my town who was doing that. I'd heard some kind of fascial work and I thought he was, or I'd heard that he was really good at it. So I sent her to him. And after two treatments, I could see in her physical body changes. And I was like, well, this guy's probably onto something. So I found out what his training was. And it just turned out that that year, um, uh, John Barnes course was coming to Calgary, which is the nearest city to me. So I took my first level there and then um, have just taken continuous courses since then. But it just, it started answering the questions, so many of the questions that I had, um, and it just made everything make sense. And then as when I was treating people, um, I could get them more involved in their awareness, in their treatments, because I don't, I want people to understand also that when they go for treatment, you don't want to just lay there and let somebody do something to you. You want to be engaged in what's happening and you, um, you want to gain something from it. So you want to gain awareness. You want to gain a new awareness in the body because if nothing changes, nothing's going to change. So that was where um, it really made a lot more sense to me. Yeah, that's, and that was a, an experience that I had working with someone local to me that prompted this whole conversation was just, I kept getting messages to go see this person. And finally it's like, okay, I've heard this like 17 times, like go make the appointment. And I had a meditation right before and my guides were like, this is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to do. We're going to be there the whole time. You're going to pay attention to these things. And I went in there with it and yeah, just had an unreal experience. And so the way that that protect practitioner talked about it is almost like, like she has like a connection with source and it's like source kind of comes in and like works through her as she's like working on the body. Is that, have you had, do you have any, like, how does that sit with you? Do you have any kind of 
Yeah, I'm probably a little bit like from the other practitioners that I've met, I think everybody receives a little bit differently. I do have my Reiki. So um, I do understand that I don't read people like I don't get that those kind of messages. Um, I, I really focus on the body, like really focusing on um, how the body is changing. So it's that being quiet and being patient. And allowing those changes to happen um, as they want to happen, not how I think they should happen. Mm. Um, I So yeah, and I do feel the energy stuff. I wouldn't say that I get, yeah, like I don't get messages like what you're describing. Um, I think I've always been more, I don't know which Claire this is, but just that knowing more not like there's no voices or images or anything like that it's just because sometimes they have this you know a lot where you'll work on an area of a person and then if everybody's engaged it's usually very quiet and then you'll move to another area and they'll go oh how did you know I'm like I don't know just I mean there's logical process in there because I know my anatomy but there's also some kind of knowing that connects you to where you want to go next and sometimes also when you feel into the body um, when you feel the energy of it you can feel where it stops. So there's different ways to assess. Like if um, if a client is laying on the table, we call it rebounding. So you kind of jiggle them, like you kind of bounce their bodies and you just kind of push them a little bit. So their body is rocking back and forth. And when you do that, because we are fluid, you will see where they are fluid and you'll see where they're not. And that's where, like that's restriction right and so the same thing if I'm working on somebody and I'm trying to feel like if I'm trying to do like a decompression on their spine or something and I'm trying to feel it from their you know the base of their neck to their sacrum but I can't feel it all the way through then you'll you'll know kind of where where they're stuck my girlfriend is also a registered massage therapist and she was doing some fascial work on me and intuitively during that I just kept saying over and over again, like I allow whatever I don't need to release. I allow whatever I don't need to release every time she would move to a new part of my body. And by the time she got to around like my midsection, I was literally shaking to the point where I had to ask my guides over and over again, am I okay? And they're like, you're fine. Like, just let it happen. So I just like was shaking violently on the table and it lasted for about 20 minutes before like I would stop uh, shaking, but it was an experience. (laughs) And that's, that's like a natural process that I think it's very misunderstood because if we go through trauma, um, the way that our nervous system processes it, right. You have that fight, flight, or freeze response. Um, and if you don't finish the process of the trauma, a lot, that energy will get trapped in your body. So when you have, um, body work, or if anybody triggers you, you will get shaky. Like you feel shivery, like almost like you're cold, but you're not cold. Um, and if that was to happen, like if you had an accident in real time and somebody would take you to the hospital and you were shaking, they would try to stop you. They would give you medication. They would give you warm blankets. They would not let you go through that process. And I think a lot of people, even, I mean, I have kids, so a lot of times um, it's hard to watch them go through stuff like that, but they need to finish that process because that's what gets stuck in the body. So when you have work release work like that and you start shaking um, or feel that shivering, it's encouraged to let it go, like release that excess energy. It does not serve you anymore. It does not need to be stuck in your body. And that's how you can kind of finish the process of some of those traumas to let them go. I 
with that, I don't think it's necessary to re-experience all of our traumas, but stuff like that can help you move those feelings and those sensations and those energies through your body so that it doesn't affect you. It doesn't stay with you all the time. That is like an animal kingdom, um, something that happens with animals when they, when a zebra is chased by a lion and it escapes, it will shake and like it'll tremble and everything and that's how it releases that event from its life and like i think as a human we are we've we've suppressed those those uh responses so much so long um that we when we do tremble when we do uh shake and are able to uh reach that point that that helps us release a lot of a lot more trauma than just what what we're being seen for or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah it is it's it's something like I think it's something they should teach in first aid like when you take your CPR in first aid that is like that's something to know if you come on on an accident to how could you help these people in that moment um, continue to process what they've just gone through even if it's just um like well, use my son as an example. He broke his finger this summer and it was, I mean, it's just a finger, but he did go into shock and then he threw up and then he felt sick, like he felt sick, but then he did, he was shaky after that. And I was like, okay, just, you know, do all the stuff. And hopefully that this broken finger doesn't come up when you're 40. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's education. It's telling, it's like teaching people that process and that, that natural process and not to be scared of it either. I think so like what, with, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I, I think that's our, where our instinct to like rock or like shake, it's like not shake, but like kind of bounce a child when they're like kind of crying and going through something. Cause that facilitates that motion in the body and things like that. That's Yeah. Yeah. It helps the, it's yeah, it's that fluid. It, we know that bouncing is helping that the fluid of our body too. Do you have to? Do you have to kind of like give a warning to people about this stuff? Like when they come in, like, do your, do your patients tend to have kind of an awareness around what this could bring up or what this is? Like, how does that, or do you kind of have to like coach them a little bit through that? Um, How do they find you? Yeah. I, cause I work from home most of, well, all of my clients are word of mouth referrals. So they're coming from somebody who's experienced my work. Like I don't really advertise. I don't want people from the internet coming to see me in my house. And because I work differently, I don't want people coming to think that they're coming for a relaxation massage and that's not what they're going to get. It's relaxing. Um, I don't, because everybody's so different and they're coming in at such a different place. I don't give them uh, too many expectations, um, unless I really know the person and know that they uh, understand like the energetic component of the work. Uh, I always start very structural. So I always check the pelvis. If the pelvis is out of alignment, I work on the pelvis first. I check in their breathing. Breathing is a big part of my practice too. I teach um, functional breathing. Um, so all of that kind of stuff, like if, you know, if something in their shoulders is off if they're rotated in their rib cage like I'll always start structural um, and then 
kind of go from there. So people will start to ask questions and then the questions they ask, I can tell what their understanding is. Because for some people, my work will just be structural. They will never get past that. It's just my knee. I just want you to work on my knee, <laughs> right? And even though I can, um, I can explain it with anatomy and with um, functional movement patterns and stuff like that, I can make it make sense to people. Um, but if they do start asking questions when it doesn't fit into that, <laughs> how it makes sense, or if it, yeah, if it starts to bring up um, emotions, like if they start to get anxious while I'm working on them, um, or if they start to get nauseous, that's something that happens. No, I wouldn't say quite often, but it is common for people to go, I don't feel very good. I'm like, okay, just let me know. I will stop or I'll give you a garbage can. Um, but it's just like, it's those feelings that come up and it will surprise them sometimes is what's happening. And then that's where I take a cue to introduce them to kind of more of the, the, the woo side of it, but it's, our woo is getting validated by science, especially in the last decade. A lot of this stuff is, um, is coming out with like, you know, real, real doctors and scientists are, are studying this stuff. So, uh, yeah. So the people that come to me they're because they're at a different place, all of them are different places. I, I, I try to start, I, it, one of the, um, quotes that a teacher always says is meet them where they're at. So meet them where they're at, take them where they're not right. I'm trying to get them to a place of balance and I'm trying to get them there in a safe way and in a way that they can accept and in this moment and every day is going to be different. Do you, do your clients have an awareness of like, well, I guess they're all, you're saying they're all kind of different. So, um, I guess I'll ask a different question. Are you aware of your clients kind of dissociating? Like when you're in working with them? Yeah, uh, yeah you can feel kind of when they leave. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's, it's interesting because the clients that have been with me for a number of years now, they, they'll catch themselves and they'll go, oh, I'm not paying attention or I'm not aware or whatever. Um, so, and sometimes it's just as simple as me going, can you feel my hands on your leg? Like, what do you feel? where my hands are? Can you feel anything distant from my hands? Like it's just sometimes, yeah. And I'll just have to just ask them a question to bring them back or um, get them to focus on their breath as their breath relates to how they're releasing and stuff like that. Cause like I said, so for some people it is strict, strictly structural. They just don't have the capacity to go much deeper than that. Um, and though, I mean, those are the people that need to <laughs> most of the time. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting again. Yeah, just so different for everybody. So it's it's good to have that awareness, but to teach them awareness too. And I I always again try to keep everything pretty pretty easy. So when I give them even homework, as I as awareness homework for awareness, I'm like, do you always sit on the same spot in your couch? Do you always stand at the sink washing dishes the same way? Do you always you know if you're driving in your vehicle, do you always lean on the console like? Are there patterns and habits in your life that you can change? Like starting with those very, very simple things. So when they do go, oh yeah, I have a favorite chair and I always, you know, put my feet up with my legs crossed. You say, is that something that you can change? Like, can you, if, or if you're leaning, if you're in the kitchen cooking and you're always leaning on your left leg, is that something that you can change? Cause that's, 
that's where a lot of them have to start. You can't go too too quickly, right? Too much, too fast. So it's like little things and they will, they'll become aware. They'll become aware of their breathing habits. They'll become aware of where in their body, their breath goes. Um, and some of the things are very, they're difficult, right? Cause they're like, oh, well, I, I lean on this side because my other side hurts when I do that. It says, well, it's not, it's not going to change if we don't change it somehow. It's almost like you're, you're like, you're teaching a level of awareness with all the work that you're doing regardless. Yeah. It's uh, one of the biggest things. Cause if they don't have awareness, they, well, one of the, the quotes we use a lot from um, John Barnes is without awareness, there is no choice. And it's true on every level, right? If you don't have awareness, you don't have the choice to change, to improve or to grow. I struggle with occasionally when I go in, I make an appointment, you have to make it a week, whatever, ahead of time. And when I make the appointment, I'm like, this is what I want to work on. Um, and it might be an emotional thing or whatever. Um, and then I get there and I'm like, I am not in a space that I can, can work on that today. It is just going to be structural, <laughs> structural today. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've, I've asked people that too, because, um, I've learned, uh, muscle testing is kind of my go-to to get deeper stuff and ask more questions. Um, I probably don't trust as much as some people do. So I'll muscle test to ask questions. And if it goes that deep where it's like, uh, an emotional issue, I can ask them, do you want me to, um, kind of to dig into this and find out what this specific emotion is or do you want me just to tone it down because I can tone down their system without them having to go into whatever that restriction that place is and a lot of people will just choose no just tone it down don't want to <laughs> I don't want to know <laughs> I don't want to know what's in there and that's fine that's part of their process a lot of the a lot of times those things are so big that like they just seem overwhelming to do. So sometimes also, I personally also need a little bit of a push um, to be like, okay, can you handle this? Like, I want you to use your voice. I want you to use your boundaries and things like that. But also this would be beneficial for X, Y, Z, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, that's again, why I've used muscle testing too, is um, muscle testing it, it acts on the response of your nervous system. So even some people that I've tested and I've done remote sessions too, I'll get to a place and I always ask before I release, um, is this safe to release? And I have gotten no before. So you'll get to a place where you know what the deal is and your body will say, no, not yet. You can't, you can't take that away because it's supporting you somehow. Um, and in your body, in your structure, if something is tight, it's tight for a reason. So it's tight trying to hold something together. It's tight trying to support something or stabilize something. So if we take that tightness away without any regard for anything else, you're going to leave it unstable. And that, again, think of that on every level. So from structural to energetic to emotional, like if you take away something that is there to support them at a time where they have no other support, it's not going to go well. I really love that you said that because I had a moment during like healing this really deep wound of mine. And it kind of came through in pieces. Like I would 
I half remembered the event and like when, when it had happened, but not the entire thing. And I'm always told like, it's unnecessary for you to remember all of the details. Like, you know, enough of what happened and you can feel it in your body. And that's, that's enough. Like, that's what we're going to heal. And so then when it comes through to the healing, I just, I love the aspect of sometimes you have to continue to hold on to that firmness because without building any other kind of structure, you'll just take that away and then crumble Mm -hmm. because there's just nothing else to hold you up. Yeah. Yeah. And if, um, if people want it related to, this is like super common as people complain about their tight hamstrings all the time. And then what do they do to remedy their tight hamstrings is they start stretching them. But what if your hamstrings are tight because your pelvis isn't stable. And the only thing that can stabilize your pelvis is your hamstrings. And then you've just taken away the support of your hamstrings, what's like, what's next? Like what has to stabilize, what has to tighten up and what has to be dysfunctional to gain the support that your pelvis needs. And I mean, if it doesn't have any other, um, any other supports around it, you're just, I mean, you're continuing, you're on that continuous loop of my hamstrings are always tight, but I stretch them all the time. And you go, well, maybe we need a different strategy. Maybe we need to look somewhere else to find that support. So you said you did some distance or or remote sessions. How does that work for you? How does that, what does that look like for you? Um, So for me, so like I said, I've taken my Reiki. So I do have the the Reiki knowledge. I don't use any of the symbols. Um, And then more recently I use, I don't know if you have any of you have ever heard of the emotion code. So Dr. Bradley Nelson is pretty, he's got a a very streamlined process. So with the emotion code, it's basically, and I don't even know if I use it true to how he teaches it, but I, I use his charts and stuff like that. So if you Google the emotion code, um, chart, you will get a chart and it's, I think 64 emotions and they're in columns and rows. So I use muscle testing. So if I'm doing a remote session, I will just, I'll muscle test. Um, I'll ask my name, like I am Christina. Uh, if I'm doing Jess, I'll say I am Jess and I should say no, but then I'll ask if I can act as proxy for Jess. Um, and then I do that until I connect and get a yes that I am Jess. And then I can start asking questions if there's a trapped emotion or energy. Sometimes I don't say emotion because I think energy is probably a more accurate word. Um, that can be released now and then you'll go through the chart and you can find you know if it's a energy of panic then you can ask more questions like what age did this get trapped at what area of the body is this trapped do i need to know more about this is it safe to release and then i kind of go through that process um but knowing which area of the body it is um the way that the emotion code teaches it is he does uh, a clearing like your governing meridian which is through the front middle part of your body he'll just clear out he'll do three swipes along the governing meridian and that's one way to release the energy but I like that if I know what area of the body it's stuck in that I can do remote energy and use myself as proxy to move the energy through Um, and then that's yeah that's kind of my process for the remote work does that affect your body like do you have to do like a really deep cleanse of like how do you how do you get yeah how do you cleanse from that how do you not I just make sure that when I'm finished the session that I disconnect from them so Mm. I call back my energy to myself and then I make sure that I'm disconnected from them and then like I said I just use I muscle test to make sure that I'm not I'm not them anymore um 
yeah, I don't have any special rituals or anything, but I just make sure that I'm not. And if I do like I, my go-to is always uh, breath work. If I do need to move anything, anything through. So crazy. That's, that's so like exactly where I was going with that. Cause I, I, I was thinking of, I do some psychic surgery stuff with, with my Reiki cause I'm a Reiki master as well. Um, so that's kind of how I, I kind of like go in and it's, it's more of a, I, my consciousness is inside somebody's body as opposed to, um, most of the time we're at a like third site kind of situation. Yeah. Hmm. What else? What other questions? Jessa, do you have another question about? Honestly, my mind is so blown. And the yeah. only questions that are like coming to me right now are like personal questions because yeah. I hold so much pain in my shoulders. Like, you know, I just, I went through one of like the worst fibro flares I've probably gone through during this last eclipse full moon cycle. And it was exactly what I was like saying before, like my skin hurt and it was painful to put clothes on. And then Ooh. it just, it goes in deeper to like, you can like pinpoint, I can be like, it hurts right here and it'll hurt where I'm poking, but it'll also hurt inward and then spread out as well. It'll like rain down over. It just, it's the weirdest thing ever. And I understand that I'm probably doing lots of trauma release work and stuff like that, but like, holy hell, do you have any tips? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's lots, lots of, <laughs> lots of things. Well, and even, um, I don't, I don't know that they do this for diagnosing fibromyalgia, but, uh, one thing that I have read that I find very interesting is, um, do you guys know what the ACEs score is? It's like a score they use. I don't think it's just Canadian. I think, I don't know, maybe it is. Um, but they use it to, it's a score that you use based on your childhood traumas and experiences. So the higher your score, um, right. They can kind of say these, this, this score these kids will more like, and this is for childhood too. Uh, these kids will be more likely to like drink or use drugs or have addiction problems or whatever. Um, but I that, that, that score yeah. also includes like resiliency, um, sig signals, like having a supportive adult and things like that on it. Um, yes. I think and that, I think that's part um, of what goes into that score. Yeah. And it's different, right. And you can have the same experience as a kid, and then maybe somebody as an adult has those experiences, it affects you very differently. Um, but another thing that I was reading about that is with that, the childhood trauma specifically, is that those people are more likely to have things like fibromyalgia, MS, autoimmune disorders, because it is, it's in you. <laughs> like, right, if you go through those traumas, they're likely if you're in those situations, you're not releasing them. Nobody's around you to support you. So they're there. And then you have that physical manifestation of those childhood experiences. Do you work on kids? Yeah. Yeah. They're a little all squiggly, of, but they're fun. <laughs> all of this just rings so true for me too, because like messages that I've gotten from my guides and stuff like that as well have, have all led me to that same conclusion because I, I'm piecing together that, you know, so many of us are piecing together that everything physical is also tied into the spiritual. And so like, I was, you know, I was wondering why I 
felt like my body was betraying me. And it was like, is your body betraying you or is it helping you to release things that you've been holding on to? And it's just like, right. Yeah. And And our body, and this is language too, but our body's number one job is to protect us. So nothing it does is on accident. Right. And even though we might interpret what's happening to us as negative. It's not like, it's just our body's way of keeping us going. I mean, if we didn't have these mechanisms in place, we would all be either dead or in wheelchairs by the time we're like 25, (laughs) just from like normal childhood stuff. Right. So compensation is not a bad thing. Um, It's when it gets to a point where it's um, taking away from other things, right? Like it's preventing you from growing or evolving or um, adding in new experiences because you you have so many of this other stuff inside of you that can't let you go forward. So there's a lot of things. And I think actually, go ahead, Sarah. Even pain as an adaptive um, mechanism is not a, like, it's not a maladaptive thing. It's, it is meant to signal your body, Hey, this hurts. Stop doing this. Don't put your hand on the flame. It hurts. Pull it away. So yeah. It's meant to signal us to pay stop, attention, pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> learn like you're yeah. supposed to learn from it. Right. And it I've usually up as much as that's when I'm supposed to sit down and stop doing things. Yeah. <laughs> pay attention to what is going on. And I think um, one of the things that I had mentioned in that uh, comment that I shared with you, Shanna, was the, uh, the, the role that this extracellular matrix plays in our body with holding and how it imprints the, um, the experiences that we have. There is, so when everybody talks about how, like we're fluid and we're made up of 70 ish percent water, um, that always was curious to me because I was like, I've never seen water in my body. I mean, cut myself, water does not spray out, never seen that happen. Um, but somehow we're 70% water and in the understanding of the um, fascial work that I do, it led me to another guy named Gerald Pollock and he does work with uh, water. So he's discovered a fourth phase of water. So the three phases that we know of are solid liquid and vapor. That's what we're taught in school. Um, But there is a fourth phase and that phase is this liquid crystal. And that liquid crystal is the water, it's the structured water. It's the structure of the water that's in our bodies. So where, water conducts energy, um, crystals store information. And there is, there's a lady on YouTube and I don't know if you watched it, Shanna, but I shared the, uh, YouTube video with you and this lady was doing experiments. So the, the other guy that they mentioned is this, is it Imoto or Iwamoto or something? He did, um, he did these water experiments. Maybe it was, it's been a while now. So nineties, early two thousands, um, where he would like put words on the water or he'd play music around the water and then you take pictures of the water molecules and right. So like love and harmony and stuff like that would give you very beautiful um, images of what the water, the structure of the water looked like. And then if you'd had like hate or um, heavy metal or like really harsh things by the water, it would change the molecules of the water and they would look, they would kind of um, feed back to you what that uh, frequency was. So we have this in our body. And so this, um, the visual that I got uh, from this uh, YouTube video that I was watching is she was doing experiments and she was putting um, pictures by the water. She'd have water in a Petri dish and she put a picture on top of it or beside it. 
and then she would freeze it. And this fourth phase happens. It's in that freezing process that you get this kind of gel liquid crystal phase of what the water is. And the water would imprint the picture that she had around it. So she had a picture of her friend and then she froze it and she took a picture of it. And in the water was an image of the friend in the photograph. And so she started experimenting with this. And so when I think about the experiences that we have, um, it is very literally like we have these experiences imprinted in our bodies. Um, and it's not uncommon to have people remember things as you're working on them. So if I work on somebody and I put their arm in a certain position, they'll go, that is something to do with my car accident. Cause they'll say, I, you know, I, um, one of the stories was, a somebody that rear-ended a car and she put her arm out to um, kind of protect the passenger that was with her. And so that movement and that space that she was in holds that trauma. So when her arm went back to that same space, she remembered that that's where that, that was from. And she's always had restrictions in that shoulder. Um, so anyways, this work with uh, the water was just, I mean, it was a aha moment for me because I was like, that makes so much sense. And with the experiments they were doing with water, with how just saying one word to it, it's how are you speaking to yourself? How are you, how are other people speaking to you? And how are you interpreting how other people speak to you? Because that all stays with us and it's in our structure. So that's where um, I think kind of the woo meets like our physical body and where people get frustrated with their physical body too. Um, but it's so amazing that it can hold all this information, even in the fascial web that runs through our body. Um, there's, they describe it as liquid light runs through that. So the information that we get, like when you guys read people, you get feelings, like you feel things that come to you that that's not mad I mean it is magic but it's not magic it runs through your body it runs through your physical tissues the physical tissues of your fascial system so we have um we kind of have a reason for being built the way that we are built like we are receptors of this information and I don't think when I think about people talking about technology I'm like we don't need technology we need to really embrace what we have we are the technology we have it inside of us we just don't trust ourselves enough to kind of let it let it come out you have completely just explained why I've been told to tell my water and my food thank you and I love you every time before I ingest it so thank you for that it's in that you yeah. mind blowing <laughs> that you're like drinking your own love <laughs> Right. Yeah. I love me and drink it. <laughs> yeah. I always tell my food to every time I, like, I'll hold my bowl or my plate or whatever. I'm like, thank you. And then I'll eat it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you said like where the woo is meeting the physical and isn't that kind of like what we're all sort of looking at right now is like where all of where, what we know is meeting like the collective I mean, this just feels very much like the thing. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like it's a huge way to bridge the gap, right? It's a big way to introduce people who um, don't speak Wu language, but it's a good way to introduce them um, into a space that they can start asking questions, discovering things about themselves um, within themselves. And 
who knows how far they'll get, but at least it will give them a different understanding of how things work. And it's not just what I see is what I see. And that's all there is. And we, I mean, we still can't explain everything, right? So some of the stuff that I do, um, even though like, again, in the last decade, it has more of and more of it has been backed by science. Um, I mean, there's still stuff that you can't, and you can't control, you can't do randomized control studies on human beings because we've all had different experiences. How can you put us all in a Petri dish and tell us to have the same outcomes with the same stimulus, even though we're different? We've, I mean, we just, we flow differently. <laughs> I love that, like how this all comes together because like we're talking about an age of masculine where we were all intellect, physical, we have to see it to believe it. Like we got to be able to, you know, hold it and, and touch it. And we're moving into this new age where we're in the feminine feeling flow state and we have to all learn to to feel it and to know it before we feel like can see it because that's how we're learning how to manifest like you have to know it before it shows up in your reality and so it's kind of like exactly what we're saying right now where the woo meets the physical bridging the gap and it just all ties together (laughs) yeah yeah i'm kind of of the opinion not to spoil anybody's fun but that magic quote-unquote things are just scientific things that like haven't they haven't found a scientific explanation for yet um like vikings had the women do the financial stuff because they had witchcraft called mathematics so (laughs) it's just a matter of like we just haven't quite figured out what it is yet we haven't figured out a scientific explanation for it yet. Um, I think it's there. I don't, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think we need to find a scientific explanation for anything. And I think to a certain degree that scientific explanations spoil the fun too. So I don't want to spoil anybody's fun. Yeah, no. And it's interesting, but, um, cause some people can't even right? like they would never even listen to anything woo-ish if they couldn't explain it. So it's it's just introducing those people. I don't need an explanation. If I, I mean, if it works and I felt it, I'm like, I, I'm good. That's all the, that's all the proof that I need. But there's just so many people that need, need something to back it up. And I think the most what they need to back it up is experience, is their own experience with that. Experience yeah. will make a believer out of, anybody yeah yeah for sure some people need to have that experience because otherwise there's there's just no way (laughs) yeah yeah and I could even talk about this forever with science behind me and there's still people that would be like "Mm, I don't really I know we could probably record like four more episodes just talking about that (laughs) exactly exactly I want to be respectful of your time, Christina. Is there anything, any last questions that we have? Any, any like last things that you want to tell us if people are thinking about going to a practitioner such as yourself? I don't know, any last wrap ups? Um, yeah, if, if this is interesting and you are looking for practitioners, um, definitely ask where your practitioner was trained or who trained them. Um, 
there are lots of people that do myofascial work. Uh, rolfing is quite a common one. You will find people trained in. Um, Graston is something that more chiropractors and physios do. It's like a metal tool that they scrape your skin with. That's not the same. <laughs> so for me, so actually, Sean, I'm curious to see where your therapist was trained in, or if she is just in a, like, if that was her intuitive process and she just knows that. Um, so specifically, I would ask if they are a Bar uh, John Barnes trained practitioner. That's where my teachings come from, um, mostly around the fascial stuff. I mean, I have lots of other trainings too, but um, yeah, I would just, if you're looking, ask, ask where they're trained and what their process is. Is it like a deep, is it painful? Is it not? Cause I get lots of people who don't know or have not really heard about myofascial stuff and somebody will go, Oh, it's too, it's super painful. I'm like, well, it's, you can definitely feel it, but it's not supposed to be, I don't want to inflict pain on people. So, um, yeah, I would just ask how they, how your, how your therapist works and stuff. And we're kind of scattered all over the place. There's more courses in the States. So definitely there's more probably practitioners in the States than there is in Canada, but there's a few. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, this is probably the podcast where the three of us have um, been this quiet ever. And I think Absolutely. that's just because we're completely <laughs> blown away by you. So thank you. Oh, that's awesome. you thank you. I mean, if anybody so. has ever listened to any other episode, you guys know I am a talker. So I'm just so blown away <laughs> by all of this information. That's awesome. Thank you for asking me. I just wanted to share one more thing because I um, was going through some notes the last couple of days. I'm like, I don't know why I felt I needed to prepare, but I did. And I opened my book this morning and there was a sticky note inside of it. And I wrote this. I don't know how long ago I wrote this, but it just says the mind thinks the body feels and the heart knows the truth. So I just wanted to throw that, throw that in there. I love that. Christina, yeah, if you want to be found, where can everybody find you? Uh, I am in High River, Alberta, Canada. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you want to put my website on your yeah, yeah. website? Do you do show notes. I hear Instagram, that in podcast yes, room. Yes, something. Yes. Show notes. <laughs> so I, yeah, I do have a website. I'm ChristinaMcKeg.com. Um, it's spelled weird. Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-E-N-A. M-C-K-E-A-G-E.com. Um, yeah, and I just have a list of stuff. So I do, anybody in the area listening obviously can contact me for in-person um, appointments, um, but I do some remote stuff as well. Excellent. Shanna, hit it. Hello, you can find me at blackboots.com and I spell that without any vowels. So B-L-C-K-B-T-S.com. Jess. And you can find me at JessWalker25 on TikTok or at Jet.Tarot on Instagram. And as always, you can find me on SoulSearcherAP.com and um, L-Y-L-L-A-H for on Instagram and everywhere else. All right. Thanks.
Of course I am. Of course I'm on mute because Sarah, please give us an intro. Everybody turn on your psychic abilities. We are now going to do this silently. I just wanted to thank Doug Holiday for the um, intro and outro music. We really appreciate it. And we think it fits our, our podcast fantastically. Um, you can check them out on YouTube at uh, DJXH12.